welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We are working through a series face-to-face with Jesus. We're working through... Uh, stories in the Gospel of Luke about people's encounters with Jesus and all that it has to offer them and us 2,000 years later on the other side of the planet in a completely different language and culture. The word is good. Amen? And so week one, we talked about Zacchaeus, the man out on a limb. Last week, we talked about the Sadducees, the band of puzzlers. Today, we talk about open-mouthed tourists. And let's get a little context, because we need context when we read our scripture. We can't expect to understand what's going on if we don't know what's going on. Amen? So understand about this, that Jesus taught somewhere around 30 CE, right? Some argue whether it's 27 or 30 or 33, somewhere around there. His resurrection was a few years after he began teaching, just about a week after our passage today. About 30-some years later, the Jewish revolt began. Three years into that, Jerusalem was destroyed, as was the temple. And then about 10 or 15 years after that, these gospels started being written down. And so we, we date our copy of Luke to be around 80, 85. So about 50 years after Jesus taught, about 15 years after the temple was destroyed. These will be important elements in our passage today. This story takes place before the destruction, but it's told long after. People were trying to understand what had happened in the destruction of the temple. If we can imagine something as devastating as Washington, D.C. being leveled, that almost gets us to the temple because our capital doesn't involve our sacred space of the dwelling of God like the temple did, but it represented all of those things. How do you understand and make sense of something like that happening? Luke is bringing the teaching of Jesus to the forefront for the hearers then and for us now. It's not to explain exactly what happened and what it meant, although it's in there. It's more about what hearers should do in response. In essence, Jesus is speaking to the people who have faced catastrophic destruction and heartbreak to offer hope comfort, and calling. And so with that in mind, let's hear the passage. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. 
But before all of this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The word of God in scripture, the word of God among us, the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. What a story. Do you, uh, some of you were alive for the real event of Apollo 13. If you remember that story, you can raise your hand unless you'd prefer not to admit you were there for that. If you're like me, you were there for the movie. That's what I always remember. And, uh, and some of you weren't even alive for the movie, have no idea what I'm talking about whatsoever. Apollo 13 was a part of the 1960s effort for America to get to the moon. And then once they got, they were going to go back. And so Apollo 13 was one of those missions, but they never made it because there was a catastrophic explosion that then reverted the whole mission to just getting them home, um, using things that are just amazing that they were able to do so. Jim Lovell was one of those astronauts. He went to see the movie, directed by Ron Howard. And I, I lift that up because... Ron Howard told this, this story in such a way that I asked Jim Lovell, well, how was it seeing the movie? You know, not, I mean, how would it be to have lived it and then to, to watch it all happen in, on a screen? And Jim said, I was on the edge of my seat. And I thought, how in the world was he on the edge of his seat? He knew what happened. But somehow Ron Howard told that story in a way that even Jim Lovell was captivated and on the edge of his seat. This relates to our passage. This passage in Luke has got a bit of humor in it. The people there are gawking at the temple. They're open-mouthed tourists looking at the grand structure of beautiful stone ordained with gifts to God. The temple, always intended to be this place of prayer and worship. People were to come and draw near to the place where God's realm and presence overlapped with earth and the Holy of Holies. In this place, they were one and the same. And so people would come near to that. And they'd prepare in various ways to come near to that. Now, the idea of this place where God's realm and earth overlap comes from the Exodus and the creation of the tabernacle, which is a fancy word for tent. Because this tent version of the temple, as it was intended, was to move where the people went it wasn't to be tied to any one particular place. Now, this tent, while it's not as fancy as stone, it was exact and particular. Every detail spelled out. And those in Exodus class were about to go through the joy of all the details. Now, later on down the road, they constructed a stone temple, even though God did not want this structure. Now, this follows the story that God had wanted to be the king of the people, Going through the wilderness, I'll be your king. But the people said, we want a king like everybody else. God said, that's not going to go well. Well, we want it. So in God's grace, God gave them a king. And then they wanted a temple, a place that they could decorate and be beautiful, not simple. And God didn't want that. But in God's grace, God said, okay. And then even when Solomon, the king who built it, 
built a temple honoring the God who had delivered them from slavery. Solomon built it with slaves. Go figure. Even then, in God's grace, God still came to come and dwell with them. The simple structure that was intended became ornate and lavish. The place that was to travel is now forever frozen in Jesus' day. And so where there was supposed to be this overlapping and this drawing near to become something else. We use the word sacred cow sometimes for things, when things become sacred that maybe shouldn't. Sacred things are important. We need them. They help us be in a proper state of heart and mind. And so when we come to this space, we recognize all sorts of symbols that help us arrive in that particular state of mind and heart. We don't do and say things in here that we might do in our homes. Amen? This is why we don't watch sports games in this room. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We have a variety of symbols that in colors even, that represent all these different things. And we may not even know what they represent. We're just used to seeing them. Because sometimes the point of the symbols get lost. We just get used to seeing them. We lose touch with what they mean. And soon the sacredness is tied to where they reside rather than what they mean. Amen? So it becomes less about what it's supposed to be about. And we start fixating on what they've come to represent to us, even if the intent and what they mean to us are not related. So people are standing in awe of the temple's beauty in Jesus' day, but they don't seem to realize that this place of prayer and drawing near for all people, for the whole world, has become a place where only some are welcome in the walls. Some have to worship out here, and even that's been turned into a marketplace where they exploit them with money changing. They don't seem to recognize. They're just captivated by the temple. It was supposed to help be a, a change of a state of heart and mind, and it's become something else. It was supposed to be about helping the people know the way and the will of God, to know the life of God, but this fixation changed, and it was no longer about that. It was about the system and the routines and the traditions of the Sadducees, go figure. So Jesus reminds them of this truth as they're staring up. He says, you know, it's temporary, Right? It's going to be destroyed. Not one stone will be left on another. Now, he knows in just a few decades that will literally be true. They may not. But it was always temporary. It was the second temple because the first one had been destroyed. They should know. The whole direction of this story of God and humanity and rebellion and redemption, it's all headed to an, to an ending we already know, like Jim Lovell sitting in that movie theater. But sometimes we get caught on the edge of our seats. One day, all the earth will start out as it began in Genesis 1, a giant temple, the whole earth, the presence of God together with God's image in the midst of it all. Who's God's image? Us. Thank you. The temple's temporary. It has a purpose, but its purpose is seasonal. All things have a season. Our lives, we have felt the seasons change in the last few days outside, amen? Nations are seasonal. Relationships are seasonal. The temple, this church building too. One day it won't be here. We won't need it to be here because we won't need to come to this place to be in that right state of mind when Jesus comes back and all things are made new and, and put to right. Everywhere we go will be that. 
So while it serves a great purpose, we don't want to hold on to it too tightly. When Jesus comes again, it's going to be a glorious day. Amen? I don't know where we'll watch sports games then. Jesus is trying to explain to people it's temporary. You can be awed by it, but don't get fixated on it. The whole system, the whole way of worship is temporary. Don't get caught up in it to the point where you become an open-mouthed tourist and forget what it's all about. Now, we can't admire its beauty. In fact, we should. This is a beautiful space. But it is temporary. And so naturally, people say, Jesus, when is this going to happen? Tell us all about it. Now, we know, as the reader, it's already happened. But then Jesus describes the kinds of things they had been seeing for the last 50 years. Nations rise against nations. Natural disasters occurred. Great astronomical events occurred. Disciples are being turned against by their family, by their friends, by authorities and rulers. What a bleak message Jesus gives them. I mean, what a bummer, Jesus. We're admiring the beauty of the temple, and you just killed the mood altogether. Why do you get so serious? But they're words of hope and comfort as much as they are seriousness. The trouble they were experiencing, they were always going to happen. They need not be surprised. Knowing, knowing what is going to happen should affect, affect your experience going through it, unless Ron Howard is involved, I guess. If they hadn't had this teaching with them through those remarkable times that they faced, they would have had anxiety, fear, they would have had stress and probably doubt, losing faith. But knowing the great change of the seasons, the old age to the new age, from the old skies and earth to the new skies and earth and revelation, from the separation of God's realm and the world unifying and becoming something new, it's a great comfort that change is occurring, even if it's hard. There's a renewal of hope, knowing where it's all headed and seeing the signs of it starting to happen. Because we know that the powers of the world, the real powers, greed, ego, selfishness, hatred, and then the rulers who are wielded by these things, when they come to realize their days on earth are numbered, there's going to be trouble. Because threatened people who are caught up in themselves respond violently when threatened. Threatened power which is fixated on the wrong things, will produce evil when they realize their time is numbered. So when the early church faced what they faced 2,000 years ago, they could retain hope and comfort amidst the trials and the tribulation. They could continue to tell the truth of Jesus Christ as God's ruler, bringing the whole transition of seasons from the old into the new, and they could talk about what it meant, what it meant to them, because they weren't just standing there watching with open mouths. They understood what was happening. Our mission, say it with me, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Let's be honest. In our own admiration of the beauty that this world has to offer, sometimes we become fixated to the point where we're open-mouthed tourists. Amen? We forget that it's all temporary. We hold on to what we know too tightly. We lose sight of the original intent and exchange it instead for familiarity and comfort. We allow things to hinder our mission that simply shouldn't. And let's be honest, in our realization of the calamities of the world, we get fixated to the point where we forget to tell the story at all. 
We forget that the internet and social media are new inventions and now allow us to know the business of 7.9 billion people around the world, as well as multitude of opinions about all the things that are happening. And we get it all in an instant. When we forget that, we forget that 2,000 years ago, things were way worse than they are today, but they didn't know every single thing that was happening. We don't know every single thing that happened. So we might get overwhelmed if we become fixated on what we see on the news. If we even had this technology 100 years ago, we would see that things are a lot better in many ways today. We just know about all the junk, because that's what sells. When we think of the calamities of the world, we forget that we that all we have ever known of power and structure, they're temporary, even the bad stuff. But you know what isn't temporary? God. You know what else isn't temporary? Us. Amen? How do we know this? What is our sign? Because of Jesus, God's ruler, resurrected from the dead, who gives us hope and comfort and calling. We might experience difficult times, and the beautiful times, but we need not hold them too tightly. Jesus says, not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. By your endurance, keeping faith and heart and mind and letting our lives respond naturally from that faith. We will gain our souls. That's our promise. Hallelujah. I know you say it. I hope you feel it. So my friends, trust in Jesus Christ who leads us through our lives and all that our lives bring. Remember that he is with us to the very end of the old age and well beyond. He is our Lord and Savior. He is our hope. He is our comfort. He is our calling. So let not the beauty of the world silence us in our mission anymore. Let us go and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our world. Let not the catastrophes of the world silence you in your mission. Go and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Let's go and live our mission. And when the signs of the changing seasons occur, somewhere in it we can go, yeah, that looks about right. And we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus rather than anything else. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.